Okay, so this is the last Sunday on our Mosaic series. We have been on quite a journey. I, I'm not going to recap it all. I thought I was going to do a recap, but then the Lord had other things in mind for, for today. But uh, if you want to sort of fill in the gaps, uh, we've been teaching this since the beginning of the, the year, Rethinking Community. We've been looking at that, and it's been good. It's not always been comfortable, but it's been good. And where we have got to is this understanding that we do not exist for ourselves. God wants to build a community of love, but it's not, it's not an, an, a family in, an, in, the, in the sense of an in, inward-looking, cohesive unit, you know, you know, odds or separate from the world. Actually, we are a people with a purpose. A people with a purpose. And there is, as, we've, as I said earlier on, there's this great sense of urgency about the purpose. You know, we are called to make Christ known. Time is running out. Father has set a time when he's going to blow the whistle and say, that's it, folks. Nobody move. Nobody fix. That's it. And when that happens, Father has set this time, there's going to be no more chance to share the good news with your, your, your family. No more chance to share it with your colleagues who you've grown to know over the few, last few years. And there's a great sense of team. No more opportunity to share it with your neighbors. That would be it. There is an extraordinary sense of urgency. And, and I think the last couple of weeks, we, we looked at the Great Commission, what we call the Great Commission, that passage of Scripture where Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, and he, he gives us our standing orders. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything I have commanded you. That's the Great Commission. That's the charge that... that that has settled on this church and every other church that owns the name of Jesus, that we are to go and to make disciples. We're to break through comfort zones. There is just this extraordinary sense of urgency. Isn't it funny how the Lord kind of underlines these themes? This week, uh, we had a situation, Fliss and I were, we've had a very busy week, been out most nights, but we finally got home and we finally were settling down. I wanted to watch the news. And there's a bang, 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 bang on our door. It made me jump out of my seat. It sounded really scary. So I sent Fliss to answer the door. <laughs> and actually, I would normally, but I did send it, and it was a good thing, because one of our neighbors from a few doors along, and that touched me, a few doors along, was stood there with their three-month-old baby who was born prematurely. And he threw it, threw this child, little Ivy, into Fliss's arms and said, Al, I was upstairs, Joe's out, Joe is the wife, I was upstairs, I came down thinking it's a bit quiet. The front door was open and Alfie, my four-year-old son, has walked out into the night. God knows how long he's been gone. So Fliss came in with this wonderful little precious bundle and I dragged my coat through my shoes on and I went running out into the night. I was in a panic. There was a sense of urgency. It wasn't a case of, well, he'll probably be all right. You know, he'll find his way home, you know. There was a sense, this kid needs saving. Your neighbors need saving. Your colleagues need saving. Your relatives need saving. And I ran into the night. And, and where we live, there's lots of little back roads and things. I'm running up here. I'm getting out of breath. I'm beginning to have a heart attack. And suddenly I thought, what am I doing? I preach this stuff. I need a word of knowledge. So I go, you know, running up and down the street, shouting Alfie, and I said to the Lord, I said, where, where is the child gone, Lord? Where's the child gone? And straight as like that, he's, he's gone to the school. And I thought, oh, of course he would go to the school. So I legged it off around to the school, only as I turned the last corner, as I turned the last corner, there was Mark, my neighbor, and, and his wife, Joe, with Alfie held between them. 
And I do not mind saying you that we both stood, this was, what day was this, Tuesday night or something? I don't know when it was. We, both, we all stood in the street weeping. Oh my God. And that was an appropriate reaction. You know, we should get into a bit of a lather about the fact that our friends and our neighbors and our relatives and our loved ones are not in Christ yet. When you lose a child, that's what you do. As far as father is concerned, no wonder there's a sense of urgency in his body amongst his kids because he has lost kids. While we sleep at night, he's like the anxious parent of a teenage child who is out way, way, way past when he should have come home. Father is walking up and down listening for the latch on the door longing and yearning for that child to come home. That is how father is. Some of you will know your Bibles enough to know the story of the prodigal son. When the, father, uh, when the son finally comes to his senses and comes home, the father is, every day the father is scanning the horizon and the word of God says that the son, while the son was still afar off, the father saw him and ran to him. Oh, thank God you're home. Oh, 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 oh. That's how father is. You get this sense of urgency. You know, the time for complacency and being too nice for own good has passed. We need to carry these invitations and go to four people and give them away and invite them along. And three will say, no, don't, you know, tough it out. But one will say, okay, what's, gonna, what's it going to be like? And you can say it's going to be fantastic because Chris Lane's going to preach. <laughs> oh, and God might show up, you know. No, I'm teasing you, I'm teasing you. This tremendous sense of urgency. And I really wanna finish off this little series, take my last five, 10 minutes on this series, just to, just to talk a little bit about what God gives us in order to complete this task. You know, I've already, we've already talked about the importance of praying for the sick and, 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 and gifts of healing, spiritual gifts. These are the essential tools for it to enable us to do the job. But um, it'll come up on the screen, but if you're following on your little blackberries and things like that, just turn with me to Luke chapter 24. We're just gonna look at a couple of verses here. This is Luke's account. This is Luke's version of, of, of the Great Commission. He takes a different angle on it because as it says at the end of the Bible, many th more things were done. Jesus did many more things than are, list than, than are held in this book. But, and if we were to write them all, then it would fill every book in the world. But, but this is another story, this is another aspect of what happened. So Jesus has ascended, he's about to, sorry, Jesus has risen, he's about to ascend into heaven. He's with his disciples, he's saying his last goodbyes and this is what he says. Luke chapter 24 verses 46 to 49. This is what is written, Jesus said, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. What's the message? The essential message of the church, of the gospel, of what we're about is repent. You know, you don't have to try to get to heaven anymore. Jesus has done it all. You just need to repent and ask God to forgive your sins. That's at the core of every generation's message, no matter how it's expressed, however it's stylized, or however it's communicated, or whatever whiz-bang technology you pull into play. That is the core message, repent. Repent and, and uh, seek God's face for forgiveness. So it goes on here, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses. You're the welcome team. You're the search, you're the rescue team. You, you are it. You are Jesus' hands and feet. Bit of a cliche, but it's true. 
You are witnesses of these things, and I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Tremendous sense of urgency, but interesting. Jesus says, but wait, hang on a minute. Whoa, 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 don't go rushing off. Go and wait in the city until you receive power from on high. Let's go on to our our next reading, Acts chapter one. We'll see another little promise here. This is Luke, he wrote the the book of Acts. This is the second part of of Luke's gospel, if you like, and it's the story of the early church. A Couple of verses here, Acts chapter one, verses four and five. On this occasion, while he was eating, while Jesus was eating them, he said, and this was again a resurrection appearance. This is after Jesus has died and risen from the dead. And he says to his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem. You're here now, wait. Wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In a few days, just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now some of you will know that, and it goes on in Acts chapter two, and so on and so forth, that there is this extraordinary outpouring of God's Holy Spirit which gives the church the power, and that's what it's about, the power to begin and to accomplish indeed the ministry of Jesus. And I wanna just spend a few minutes as I draw this series to a close talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, when Felicity and I first became Christians, uh, started following Jesus in the 70s, we were talking about it all the time. We don't talk about this so much now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and there's a lot more that could be said, and you need to go to 102 and, and you know, our central classes to get the sort of background on it. You certainly need to read the scriptures and certainly talk about it in home group and life group and wherever. But essentially, this baptism of the Holy Spirit is about being empowered to do the works of the ministry. It is God's gift to us. It's where, where we get that which Jesus promised. It's where God puts within us his very own spirit. It's why Jesus can say, look, it's better that I go away because then I will send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will dwell within you. You won't need me trotting alongside or you won't need to trot alongside me in the physical sense because the Holy Spirit will dwell within you. Jesus himself, this is a fascinating and extraordinary thing. Jesus himself, who is the Son of God, present tense, he's not dead or gone, he's alive and well, Jesus is the Son of God, the one and only begotten Son of God, not adopted, he is God, he is the Son. But he himself had to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. He wasn't just modeling something for our benefit. The fact of the matter was that even though he was and is the Son of God, before he could begin his ministry, he needed the empowerment as a man, a God-man, as God became man, as a God-man, he need the, needed the power of the Holy Spirit to, to attempt and accomplish the work of, of the kingdom. And what's happening here now is Jesus saying, what happened to me is gonna to happen to you. What did happen to Jesus? Well, many of you will know this, and if you don't, uh, you can read the story, but I'll just summarize it. Jesus, Jesus' cousin, was a man called John the Baptist, and he was baptizing, just like we're gonna be doing next Sunday, baptizing people in the river of Jordan. And Jesus came to him and said, I want you to baptize me. And John said, what do you, you I, I shouldn't be baptizing you, you should baptize me, you're the holy one, you know, the lamb of God. 
And Jesus looked at John and said, John, just do it, please. And so John did it. He baptized Jesus. And as Jesus was coming out of the water, two things happened. As he was coming out of the water, he had a, there was an audible voice of God, and the voice of God said this, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, did he, did, had he, did he doubt that for a minute? Do my kids doubt that they are my kids? No, I hope not anyway. Jesus knew he was God's son, but the father said to him, as the God man, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. And that was significant because it says in the scriptures that from that point he went out in the power of the Holy Spirit. It says a dove came upon him in his particular case. You see, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that ability to get over your fears and your reticence and your natural reserve and your character issues and your personal issues and your victim issues and your father issues and your mother issues and all the other baggage that we drag around with us, your ability to overcome that and become a functioning member of the body of Christ depends upon God's spirit and empowerment. And what that rests upon as happened with Jesus was a revelation that we are his sons and daughters. You know, whatever you may have heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you may have heard a lot, you may have read a lot, you may have heard nothing about it. This may be the first time you ever heard about it. But what happens that with, with this second blessing, you are saved. I mean, Jesus was certainly saved. The disciples were saved. They put their faith in him. But what happens at the baptism of the Holy Spirit is we become, we have a fresh revelation of the fact that we are, the, we are sons and daughters, adopted sons and daughters of the Most High. And out of that extraordinary and explosive truth, that reality, that suddenly it's personal, comes the energy and the drive. And the, sometimes the, just the sheer craziness to go and knock on a neighbor's door and say, would you like to come to church next Sunday? So the baptism of the Spirit, it, it, it has all sorts of expressions. It can come suddenly. One minute, you're not, you're not, next minute, it's like God is all over you. It is an experience. Some, some churches have said it's an event. It's not an experience. It's, it's something that happens and you can't, it doesn't matter whether you feel it. You don't, in fact, you don't feel it. In fact, it's just a truth. It's resting on the blood of Christ and I love all that kind of theology. But the reality of, the, of this is that it was an experience for Jesus. Therefore, it's an experience for us. It's in the book. We work by the book. Or abandon all hope. We work by the book. Sometimes it's progressive for people. Sometimes a journey begins. And then you kind of look back over several months even, and you think, it's funny, I just don't, I'm not troubled by that melancholy anymore. I, I'm, I'm just beginning to know that joy. And, and I just know my father is my father. It's an experience, and it's, but, it's, but it's progressive. Some people, it comes with speaking in tongues. It did for me, it did for many of you. Is it essential that you speak in tongues? No, it isn't essential that you speak in tongues. Some churches teach it, it is. I don't believe that to be true. I don't believe that that's the truth of Scripture. But the reality is this. In baptism of the Holy Spirit, which can come like that or progressively over a period of time, it is a step beyond getting saved, and it is something that impresses upon us the truth that we are his sons and his daughters. And out of that extraordinary joy, that extraordinary release, 
we find ourselves wanting to spend ourselves on God. Uh, you know, the, 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 more, the, the older I get and the more I consider these things and pray these things and observe these things being worked out in people's lives, the more astounded I am at, at, at what God has done for us. You know, um, just astounding. He has made us no less than his sons and his daughters. And I would encourage you today to do one of two things. Well, one of three things, actually. If you have been baptized in the Spirit, know that you have. Just as Paul said, just keep asking God to fill you again. It's not a, a one-off, I got baptized on February the 18th of, of, of you know, 1976, which I think was the date I got filled with the Holy Spirit. It, and it's great to have that. Write it in your diary, make a, make a note of it. But the fact of the matter is that there isn't a day that we don't need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit because we leak as somebody said. We leak, and when we use it, we need to, when, when we step out in faith, we need to be encouraged and built up in, in, in the spirit again. So pray daily, if you have already been filled with the Holy Spirit, Lord, fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit. I kid you not, I was up at the crack of dawn this morning, supposedly preparing for today, and I spent the vast majority of the time just asking God to fill me again. And then I had about 10 minutes to rewrite the sermon, which was a mad panic. I don't mind telling you. I, I wasted the time. Wasted. I was extravagant with my use of time because I wanted to spend more time waiting on God for the fresh and filling of his Holy Spirit. Where do I get this energy from, this passion? It's, it's not me. It's just God's fire in me. I am passionate because he sets me on fire for these things. Heavens above, I'm a grandfather. I should be in my dotage. I should have people running around looking after me. And get to it, wife. Come on, get on with the act. <laughs> I, you know, I, I just get fired up. Fired up about this. It's personal because I'm a son. And I'm talking about my father. And we are the family. This isn't just some objective sort of, you know, club I joined. You know, this, this, this is personal for us, church, sons and daughters. The second thing you can do is if you haven't, if you can't honestly say, you know, maybe you know you've been saved, maybe you've been saved for years, but if you can honestly say that you, you, you just have no assurance, that's the, the term, no assurance that you are a son and daughter of the Most High, you need to not just dawdle or go and have a coffee, go to the loo, have a chat, and then come down 40 minutes later for some prayer. You need to run down here at the end of the service and get the prayer ministry to take, pray for you. Good grief. This is tough enough without the help and presence of the Holy Spirit within our lives. Get yourself down here and, and get prayer. And it may be that, that you will encounter God and have a revelation of God, your Father, this morning. And the third option is that maybe you just come forward and you just say, God, I need you. And it may begin a long process. For me, it was an instant thing, but actually, if I'm really honest, it was not an instant thing because I've been praying, I've been thirsting for God. I've been thirsting for this baptism of the Holy Spirit for three weeks. I was completely at my wit's end, knowing that I needed this. So there was a journey for me. It didn't happen instantly, but whatever. It didn't, it didn't. Doesn't matter, just get it. If Jesus could not function without a baptism of the Holy Spirit, if he said to his disciples, this is the task, this is what I want you to do, but wait until you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, guess what we're going to do? So, the secret of 
community. It's not about us, it's all about him. The secret of mission, it's not about us, it's all about him and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The secret of evangelism, just do it again, again, and again, and again. You get bored, you get tired, you get intimidated, you have disappointments, yep, it's not about us, it's all about him. God bless you folks, let's stand and pray. Thank you, let's have the team back up. Sons and daughters, sons and daughters. You know, during the worship time, I thoroughly enjoyed that time, who didn't? I just felt the Lord kept saying to me, to us, come up here, come up here, I've saved a place for you. Come up here, I've saved a place for you. You know, you've not got the cheap seats in the O2 when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. There's a place for you next to the Father because you are sons and daughters of the Most High. Let me just bow my head. Father, I want to say thank you to you and by your spirit would you come among us. Today, may there be stories of welcome home. May there be stories of empowerment and refreshing and revival. May there be stories of healing and deliverance, Lord God, and setting free. And may there be stories, Lord God. May there be stories of, of being affirmed, baptized in the Holy Spirit truth that we are your sons and daughters and you call us to come up here. I've saved a place for you. Thank you, Lord.